Hello, this is the David Weekly, and I'm here with my roommate, Ulrich. Hi, David. Hi, Ulrich. So um, you have a really interesting Jeep that's in our backyard, and it's really interesting um, because it, it, it's got paint all over it. There's these different painted murals from different countries that I noticed. So how did your Jeep acquire all of these different painted murals? Well, on a, on a very long trip. Um, in 2001, I thought it would be an excellent time to travel, given that the economy wasn't doing so well. <laughs> and I followed my dream of driving from California to the southern tip of South America. And along the way, uh, lots of local artists wanted to paint something original from their place on the Jeep. So they did. Wow. So how did you get this idea to drive all the way from California as far south as you, you possibly could? Well, I've always liked road trips, and um, that seemed like a good one. But then I also didn't really want to do so much driving in relation to um, to traveling and seeing the place. So I thought I'll take a lot of time and make it a really long trip and see a lot of stuff on the way. Um, so how long was the trip? When did you, you set out? When in 2001? I started, uh, actually, I remember the exact date, on the 4th of July, <laughs> 2001, yeah. Very symbolic. I took off, and a friend of mine and I together started driving south, and uh, I ended up in Panama. Well, we ended up in Panama together at the end of 2001. So it took you a full half a year to go from California down to Panama. Exactly, and that was with a long stop in Guatemala, uh, which is a fantastic place to learn Spanish. So we actually went through Mexico relatively quickly, and then spent a lot of time in Guatemala learning Spanish, and I was doing some software consulting work on the side. So um, my day was four hours in the morning, one-on-one -on -one Spanish lessons, and then the afternoon um, writing code. <laughs> so that was a lot of time in Guatemala, and then we continued relatively quickly. Um, got to Panama the first time after six months, but then I spent another six months around there. I kind of got stuck there. But that's another <laughs> the story. The land of the lotus eaters, yeah. <laughs> that's another story that okay. we should talk about So you about got sometime. to Panama at the end of 2001 and right. then spent another six months in Panama. Right, and Panama and Costa Rica, kind of okay. going back and okay. forth, doing a lot of uh, whitewater uh, kayaking. Okay. And then I shipped the Jeep from Panama to Ecuador, Okay. Given that driving from Panama to Colombia even is uh, is a very sketchy operation, there isn't really a road, so you have to build bridges along the way oh and chop down trees, and it's <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous. So that doesn't make um, any sense at all. It's also a really dangerous area. Um, so so why aren't there roads there? Why can't you make that drive? Like, well, why is nobody bothered to build roads? It's that's an interesting question. Part of it is the environment is just really harsh. It's rainforest and yeah. it's swampy, yeah. so it's really expensive to build a road. And I think there's also some political resistance because um, Panama probably didn't want a an efficient land connection to deal with to <laughs> Colombia. Um, and the U.S. probably wasn't too happy about it either, but I'm totally speculating. I don't really know anything about okay. that. But uh, So Equ Ecuador then. Uh, so yeah, Jeep went straight to Ecuador, um, which is a shame. Colombia is a wonderful place to travel. Um, but at least at the time, it was not exactly advisable with um, an attractive vehicle. <laughs> um, so yeah, I shipped the Jeep to Ecuador and continued the trip uh, there for another three and a half years until 
I finally arrived at the southern tip of South America. That's a hell of a road trip. Um, Three and a half years from Ecuador all the way down to the southern tip. Yeah, but with long breaks. I mean, <laughs> yes, we would I would sometimes imagine. stay in one place for three months. Oh, yeah, this place is good. I'll, uh, yeah. It's we'll like the road trip to end all village. road trips. So, so this is like the road trip to end all road trips. So it was like, <laughs> so it was uh, what, mid 2006? Or when did you actually get into the southern tip of, of Chile? Something like that, yeah. Oh, my God. I, uh, I'd have to look it up. <laughs> so this is sometime like mid 2006 then. So yeah. what, what, did, what did you do at that point? Um, hung out there a little bit. Um, we couldn't really continue by Jeep because, you know, there's water in the way. Um, <laughs> but as soon as we pulled into the town and parked in front of the tourist information office, some random guy walked by and saw my whitewater kayaks and said, hey, looks like you kayak. You want to go kayaking tomorrow? And uh, so we ended up uh, paddling these uh, um, ocean kayaks further south in the Beagle Channel uh, to a little island. And that was the furthest um, uh, end of the trip. So what was the uh, town and what was the name of that island? The, the town is called Ushuaia. Uh-huh. Um, so actually a surprisingly big town. Um, I don't remember the name of the island. Um, but yeah, Ushuaia is kind of known as the southernmost town in the Americas. <laughs> cool. So you went paddled out to this island and stood on the island and you're like, man, I'm really <laughs> far south. <laughs> like four plus years after uh, setting out, you've, you've really managed to get incredibly far south. Basically. Yep. And then we hung out there for a little bit and turned around. Did you drive all the way back? I drove... So I was traveling with various friends along the way, and I was physically in the car until Bolivia. And at that point, I had other things going on, and I needed to uh, focus more on getting work done. So I ended up moving to China, which is another story. But uh, my friend drove the Jeep back from Bolivia to Mexico, and then I picked it up in Mexico um, uh, three months or so after she got there. So... Um, and now it's back here in your backyard. <laughs> so, so I have to ask. I mean, that's a it's a hell of a lot of miles and like pretty gnarly miles. These are not like highway miles, right? To put on a, a car. Like, how many times did you have like serious repair issues with the vehicle? Oh, I didn't count, but uh, too many. I'd number. say probably half a dozen breakdowns where things needed to get fixed before we were able to move again. And probably 20 or 30 different um, fix-ups along the way of the less serious kinds. So what were some of the uh, more serious incidents that you had uh, in the Jeep? Uh, One really good one was when the engine mount broke. And this was like, so the stock engine mount in the Jeep is not very sturdy. So there's an aftermarket one for off-roaders which I ordered before going on this trip and replaced, and that thing broke uh, in somewhere in Peru. It's a Peru? sturdy off-road It was like a special broke. engine mount because that was known to be a weak part in the Jeep. Right. Um, and and that thing broke. Oh, my God. Uh, but we, mandal- we managed to uh, kind of roll into the next village. It was a Sunday, so everyone was drunk and nobody <laughs> was working, but we still managed to round up a few mechanics and they decided to open up the municipality's little um, vehicle repair shop 
And I left the Jeep there for the day. And when I came back, they had fashioned some railroad pieces into an <laughs> engine mount and put it in there and were sitting on the hood of the Jeep drinking beer. <laughs> and it was good. And that engine mount is still in there. Wow. So former railroad tie engine mount. Yep. And it did the trick. And it did the trick. Much more sturdy than, than whatever <laughs> piece I did here. <laughs> oh, my God. So... How was it to be be working and running consulting business while you were traveling, you know, across the the, the Americas? Was was that what was that like? Uh, well, so in a lot of ways, it was a wonderful balance because you know, you know that very well. You sit at your desk all day. Yeah. And. Uh, I Well, my desk was in different places. It was uh, outside often, and if I wanted to take a break and run up a mountain, I could just do that, and it was always, there was always interesting stuff going on. So that was good. Um, at the same time, though, I never really worked in person with my colleagues, so that was after a while got a little bit lonely, and then there was this giant disconnect where you're in a place uh, where nobody really understands what you're doing. Yeah. And there's really no connection between the community that you'd like to interact with and your crazy world of complicated code for applications that nobody around you would understand. Yeah, so it's like that's a lot of the reason why people come to Silicon Valley is to be surrounded by other dreamers, other coders, and is to be surrounded by that energy of people creating technical things. So, I mean, why, why would you give that up? You know, I mean, it must have been incredibly difficult and, and lonely to be uh, kind of the only technologist around you in this little bubble uh, for, for, for years on end. Well, I, as you might have noticed, I came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably should have come back sooner. But on the other hand, I had a lot of fun traveling. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's an amazing world out there. And seeing... Seeing the reality of it is, is just something really special. And um, it's, yeah, it didn't get boring in that way. Um, there was always something else to explore, something new to do. And I met a lot of people along the way. So it was so, good. So most people, I, I would think, don't feel like they have the luxury of being able to take uh, four years off for a road trip. Um, <laughs> uh, two things on that. Like, one is what, what, are some of the main things that you learned about life in the world as a result of this road trip? And the other is, you know, how would you advise uh, somebody who, who finds this, like, really interesting, right, but, but feels like doing a four-year road trip is not something that's just reasonable for reasonable people? Well, I mean, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't have to be four years, right? <laughs> Six months is already a, a good time where you can see a lot and experience a lot. And doing that is, I think, is actually surprisingly easy. Um, if you have a job where you can work remotely or where you at least uh, can do most of the work remotely, it's really a relatively easy thing to do. Um, you just, especially now, I mean, this, when I was traveling, it was in 2001, and you didn't have Wi-Fi everywhere. In fact, you had Wi-Fi nowhere. <laughs> Uh, so it was always a matter of uh, either using internet cafe uh, computers or finding a cable and configuring the internet connection or sometimes even using a floppy disk to exchange data. So that's gotten a lot easier. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the other thing to remember is that it's actually really cheap to travel in most of the world. So if, if you're not going to Europe or Japan or a place where travel is expensive, then you don't actually need that much money to be able to do this. Hmm. There's just things in there like, oh, yeah, and then I decided to ship my Jeep to Ecuador that, that seem very exotic and expensive to, you know, the, the regular people. Yeah, I, I mean, doing the road trip with this Jeep certainly didn't make it cheaper. Hmm. So, um and and there was definitely paperwork involved that was kind of annoying, and every border crossing was more complicated. So how would so you I have would, done it differently? I, no, I don't have any regrets about how I did it because okay. it let me go to places where I could have otherwise never gone. And um, I was also, this way I was able to bring all my whitewater gear, which is pretty much impossible if you're traveling with public transportation. Um, so, pardon me, I'm just getting on this public bus with my kayak. Excuse me, sorry to bump you out of the way. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. So you, you can actually do that, but it is enormously stressful because you always have to watch for all your stuff. You always have to kind of social engineer your way into yeah, it. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, in the U.S. it would be impossible. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's actually surprisingly doable in, in countries, you know, where, where it's perfectly normal to carry a couple of pigs on the bus. Of course, you can be there with a the kayak and they're just going to be like, OK, I don't know what this giant plastic thing is, but I do know that it's not heavy and we can throw it on the roof of the bus. So it's not actually that big of a deal. Um, but uh, just the, the small logistics. So now you're at the at the bus terminal with a giant kayak right. and more right. stuff than you can right. carry. Right. Right. It's right. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, a point is um, just for normal travel without so much gear, um, it's really not necessary to be traveling with a car. And there are also places that are uh, easy, a much easier start to travel in, um, particularly in Asia. Traveling in the Philippines, for example, is really easy. People speak English. Everyone is friendly. And uh, it's, it's very cheap. So... Um, Thailand, of course, is nice, too. There are lots of places where it's it's easy to travel for a long period of time. And, what about people who are concerned time. about, like, you know, kidnappings or violence? You know, in Mexico in particular, there's a lot of areas that are kind of considered to be unsafe, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, mm, well, you don't want to be walking around with your laptop <laughs> or anything else that uh, makes you look like a, like a target. Um so if you if you manage to fit in and look like a backpacker, then nobody's going to know that that little day pack has a three thousand dollar laptop in it. So you're okay. And I, I've left um, uh, I've left my things in lots of places. I've never had anything stolen. Nothing ever disappeared. But I've always really kept it low, and um, I think that really helped. Hmm. So what are some of the things that you learned about, like, life in the world uh, from, from, from this trip? Like, how, how did the trip change you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I've learned to make conversation with pretty much anyone I meet. <laughs> There's always something I can talk about. And if, it is, if it's about banana cultivation sure i can do that or <laughs> llama husbandry like there's always like some way you can ask questions that'll engage people and um 
that'll make for interesting conversation. Now, I heard you say something really funny last night, which is that you speak a couple different languages and your personality changes depending on which language you're speaking. So um, what, are the, what are the languages that you speak and what are your, what are your personalities in those different languages? <laughs> so yeah, I, I speak German, English, and Spanish and a tiny little bit of Chinese, but not enough to have a personality. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in German, I'm relatively shy because that's what I was like um, when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And I spent high school in Germany. In English, I can do all kinds of uh, technical um, conversations and just relatively normal. I mean, I guess you can hear that right now. Yeah. <laughs> and in Spanish, uh, I have a really easy time connecting with random people. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I realized that one time when I got on a bus and I dropped a, a, a bag of fruit that I was carried onto the bus and I cracked a joke about it and everyone on the bus was laughing and I realized, well, I, I don't think I could do that in English. <laughs> so, so that was kind oh, of a wow. nice moment of, oh, okay, I guess I've, I've learned some Spanish now. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that's a pretty good bar. The point that you can make native speakers laugh and uh, not just making fun of your accent, then uh, I think I think that's uh, that's definitely an impressive Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure my accent contributed because, you, you, I mean, if, if somebody says something that sounds like it was... It was a joke by a, a local, except he has this funny accent. <laughs> it makes it extra funny. Awesome. Awesome. So you could be a, uh, a quiet retiring engineer in Germany. You, you could be a uh, tech CEO in Silicon Valley. And you could be a politician or local funny man in, uh, <laughs> in Latin America. <laughs> I, I'll go for funny man rather than politician. I think... There's probably a really fine line there, but, <laughs> but politics, especially in Latin America, I don't think that would be something I would be particularly successful with. <laughs> but yeah, it's good to have options. Cool. Well, it sounds like it was a, it was a really cool, really cool road, road trip. No regrets. Huh? It was, yeah. I hope you get a chance to travel like that yeah, sometime. I would love you to. You should do it. Cool. Thanks, Ulrich. All right. Thank cool. you. Take care.